With over 200 electronic health record systems available, how does one decide which one is the right system for you? Welcome to the Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Bob Lovis, Senior Editor for Medical Economics Magazine. Bob has reported on the medical profession since 1988. He's covered everything from HMOs to end-of-life controversies. He's been currently specializing in practice management issues and has been writing extensively on electronic medical records and electronic health records. Mr. Bob Lovis, welcome to the show. Hey, Dr. Caskell, how are you doing? I am good, thanks, Bob. Uh, as we've referred to in other shows, it's a jungle out there. There's a lot of systems available. How does a doctor even begin the process of shopping? How does he even know what he needs? Well, the first thing to do is to do the basic homework about what an EHR can actually do for your practice and how they're built. You can get some tremendous help sometimes from your specialty association or your specialty society. The American Academy of Family Physicians has a stellar uh, website on EHRs, and it walks you through uh, basically the whole selection process. So kind of like a website comparing TVs, you can see which, which features they have, which ones they don't, and, right. and uh, yeah, that, that, that is helpful. And you have to pay attention to not just the product itself, but understanding the, the specific needs of your practice. It's best when you go into EHR land, the EHR jungle that you try to solve some problems in your practice. Are you is your biggest problem looking for lost charts? Is it inaccurate coding? Maybe it's yes, too much yes, shouting. Yes, yes. You know, doctors <laughs> and nurses shouting down the hall at each other because they're not communicating electronically. And then once you identify your needs, then you sit down with your staff and your partners and you say, how can we redesign our office procedures with computerization to solve these problems and streamline things. You know, but what you're saying is that the computer is going to solve a lot of workflow problems, but I was under the impression that it may actually magnify the problem, that you really need to change your habits before you computerize because the computer may just make things worse if you don't actually have, let's say, a consultant come out and, and do an evaluation of where your bottlenecks are. Right. That's very important. You don't want to basically automate inefficiency right. and dysfunctional patterns in your practice. And so, you know, how the medical assistant works, how she prepares the exam room or how, or how she doesn't prepare the exam room, yeah. uh, you have to deal with all those things. So if, how, you, if you buy one of these products off the shelf, you're really locked into how they do it. And from my own experience in my practice, we went with a, a company called Athena Health, and they sent people out and really just watched us for a few days and watched our workflow and really designed the system around us to make it work for us. And and it did. I mean, it paid to pay the extra dollars to have my practice evaluated prior to installing. That's a very good investment to have a vendor spend those extra days with you or have an outside consultant to help you walk through your options and analyze your needs. That's excellent advice. And anyone else who wants my advice out there, do not skimp on training. It's worth every penny you pay to, to have everybody up to speed on that computer program before they leave town because uh, it's just worth it, in my opinion. It's penny-wise, pound-foolish. Right. And I heard one consultant say that practices underuse their systems. It's sort of like buying 
a uh, Mercedes Benz, mm-hmm. but only using uh, <laughs> maybe only a couple gears, <laughs> right? And not even turning on the CD player because they just don't know how to use advanced features, and so they pay all this money but they don't train people to use all the features. Right. So again, take advantage of the training that is available and train as many people as possible. My opinion, my humble opinion. Oh, I agree. You know, Athena is web-based, Bob. I decided I did not want to have a server. I did not want to have to deal with it when it crashed and burned. So I chose a web-based, internet-based program. I personally like it, but how does the rest of the doctors out there make their decisions in terms of going web-based or office-based? Well, the web-based system is very attractive to the smaller practice because, as you said, you don't have to invest in a fancy server. Plus, you don't have to worry about maintaining it. You don't have to worry about backing up your data because whoever's hosting your program can do that. Now, I think you have to make some distinctions When we talk about web-based software, we want to look at the technical term application service provider. You can have a vendor like Athena Health, which actually hosts the program on its own computer. Some EHR vendors, they will allow another company to host the computer or the software on their computer. For instance, I could go to XYZ. Oh, they're good. They're good. XYZ, uh, you know, medical software. And... My local hospital might host that software for me on on its computer. So the hospital would be the application service provider. It could be a billing company that hosts the software. But no matter who hosts it, you have the advantage of not having to have a server in your own office. You don't have to maintain it. And if you have a fire or a flood in your office... You can be up and running the next your, day as long as you have an internet connection. Right. So is that the way the field is going, more towards that, or is it still kind of split? The industry is slowly moving to this ASP model. They call it software as a service. And it's especially uh, important to, to look at the economics. You can get into web-based software just by starting with monthly payments. It's like leasing a car. You don't have to make a big down payment. You can just make that $300, $500 a month payment, and you can automatically kick in with the software. So that's good for doctors who don't have a lot of money. They can get into the system at a monthly rate, and in the long run, it's going to cost them more. It's just like leasing a car. You're going to pay more in the long run. But But again, you're getting all the updates, and it's constantly changing and improving itself. Right. You're eliminating a big hassle factor. Now, a big group, if you have a 100-doctor group, they might have their own IT department. They may not blink at the idea or the prospect of hosting that software on their own computer. They may have uh, some special reasons for wanting to do that. But a small practice with... You know, Betty, the office manager uh, who doesn't know very much about computers, the, uh, the ASP model, the web-based model is a lot more attractive. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. My guest today is Robert Lovis, who is a senior editor for Medical Economics Magazine. And we're talking about how to pick an electronic health record for your practice. Bob, how many doctors out there have made the leap into uh, digital land? The uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention did a uh, survey, and in fact, they surveyed on this subject on a yearly basis. And in 2007, they determined that about 12% of doctors have a full-fledged EHR that 
is the kind the federal government would recommend. And if you look at other doctors with less robust systems, maybe the percentage might go up to, you know, close to 20%. In the small practices, those adoption rates are a lot lower. That's an incredibly low number. Uh, that's uh, kind of surprising. I thought it was almost a third, but uh, uh, there's a lot of business out there to be gotten by these companies. Oh, sure. And for years, it was stuck at 5%. In fact, that was quite a an embarrassment to the medical software industry that they talked about, you know, a breakthrough, and every year they were poised on a breakthrough and it mm-hmm. never happened. <laughs> but now it's starting to pick up a little yeah. steam. So the, we're at the tipping point yeah. or beyond the tipping point. What do you think, Bob, of combining the EHR with a, a practice management system? Is that a, a must-have situation, or can you get away with having two different programs? Must-have. Okay. Let's emphasize that. You really, you're going to reap the full benefits of both systems and have the, the best efficiency if these two systems, these two programs are connected. Because, for instance... You want your patient demographic information, which is in the practice management software, to go into the EHR, patient's name, birth date, address, insurance information, even scheduling information. And you want the diagnoses and the services you document in the EHR to go straight into the practice management system to generate a claim. That way you don't have to worry about a super bill. Are you aware of any programs or companies out there that have it so that the super bill is actually created or the charge is created without anybody doing any data entry just from the doctor doing the uh, the visit, the encounter? Oh, yeah, that's a common feature. Now, on the practice management side in the billing office, they may have to review what the doctor did on the screen, but they basically just maybe need to tweak something. But basically the data entry is pretty much done because the doctor is entering his CPT codes and his diagnosis codes on the EHR side. In fact, the the program can even suggest a CPT code based on what the doctor has done. And the E&M code also. Correct. Well, that's nice. I mean, that that gets rid of an enormous amount of overhead of people just sitting and and doing data entry all day. All right. So, how much does all this stuff cost, Bob? I would imagine you can get something off the shelf for $2,000, and you can probably buy a system for $200,000. Well, $200,000 would be a little steep for one doctor, but right, right. we've seen uh, various surveys which indicate that if you look at the software and your training, your implementation, and your support, that over a three-year period, uh, it might be $50,000 per doctor over a three-year period, and that's not even counting hardware. So that might add another five to $10,000. Now, and you can have systems that are maybe only a third of that as well. So there is a big price difference, yeah. I, I saw recently that, that Mysis bought all scripts. Are you aware of that? Oh, yes. We reported on that. So what was the what was the impetus? What was the story behind that? And uh, should we anticipate more of these mergers? Would that be a good thing for us if our company gets gobbled up or a bad thing? The Mises Allscripts merger basically combined two companies which had complementary product lines. Uh, Allscripts is known for its EHR and e-prescribing software. Mises has tens of thousands of 
doctors who used their practice management system. And they thought that by combining those two companies and those two product lines, they could basically have a, a, a super offering of products, and also they could sell the all scripts EHR to the uh, MISIS customers who have the, the practice management system. Bob Lovis, thank you very much again for coming on the show and uh, illuminating the complicated EHR field out there. Don't get lost in the jungle. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. If you'd like to hear more or make any comments, please visit ReachMD.com. And if you register with the promo code RADIO, we'll give you six months free of streaming ReachMD you can listen to at home or at work. Thanks for listening.